Hello, and welcome to College Planning Simplified. I'm your host, Ariel Villanueva from Advantage College Planning. More than ever, people are looking for guidance to navigate through the college admissions process. On this show, I sit down with admissions reps and consultants to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies to take advantage of so you can simplify college planning. In this episode of College Planning Simplified, I am joined by Dr. Rick Barth, who serves as the Director of Undergraduate Admissions at Clemson University in South Carolina. Thanks for joining us today, Rick. Thank you, Ariel. It's my pleasure to be here. I am excited to chat with you. We're in kind of the midst of the craziness, so I yes. was surprised when you said you said you'd love to <laughs> chat during this time. Um, it, so it is I, the busy time. You are correct. So. Yeah, and I've got a lot of questions for you today, so I'm just going to jump right in because I feel like this could be a really helpful conversation for our listeners. Okay. So my first question, I feel like kind of helps our listeners gauge the type of institution that Clemson is. So what support do students receive at Clemson and what sets Clemson apart from other universities? Sure. Well, Ariel, I believe the support students receive at Clemson is actually what sets Clemson apart from other universities. So let me explain that. Although we admit by major, our colleges really challenge their students to explore all areas of their academic interests within the college. So it's more like the philosophy of don't tell me what you want to major in, tell me what you want to do. For example, in our College of Engineering, all engineering students start with the general engineering curriculum their first year before deciding which program fits their interest in the faculty and academic advisors within engineering They work with the students in making these decisions by exposing them to the 10 engineering majors, allowing them to explore each degree, what it means, uh, the type of research they'd be involved with, and showcasing their possible careers for each major. College of Business does something very similar in that all their students complete um, a pre-business program before selecting a specific business major. And this really allows students to get a better understanding of how each major will allow them to reach their career, career goals while meeting and engaging with students, faculty, and staff from across the college. And you see these type of programs or programs specifically designed to help first-year students meet other students in the faculty and their academic program throughout each of our colleges. Some of the programs like Clemson Rise or Cubs are living learning communities where students also live in the residence hall together, participate in their core classes together, do workshops, engage in community service throughout the year. So there is this true effort in getting students to engage with all aspects of their academic program and in campus life from the very beginning of their first year It's unlike anything that I've really seen at the other universities and colleges that I've worked at. And outside of the college and program-specific support, there are support services open to all students, such as our Academic Success Center that connects students uh, to professional academic coaches who work with them not just on their courses, uh, but on developing new ways of learning material if the student is struggling. Our Student Accessibility Services team provides support and guidance to students with disabilities And they really work with students beyond just the accommodations and working with faculty. They connect their students to all the type of student supports um, offices across campus. And uh, finally, I'll mention the Center for Career and Professional Development consistently ranks among the best career centers in the country. What I appreciate about the team and the career center is they strive to get to students as soon as they're admitted 
uh, and work with them from the time they get on campus through graduation. So they really focus on the student's professional development and not just the career placement aspect. You know, in between the support and the colleges, the campus-wide support services for all students are engaged in caring alumni. You see what it's what is meant when you hear our students talk about um, the realness of the Clemson family concept. And I think the proof of this concept for us is that our students do stay and graduate. You know, our four-year graduation rate is 65%, our five-year graduation rate's around 84%, our six-year graduation rate is getting ready to bump up against 90%. So our students stay, they persist, and they graduate. Um, they go back in their communities and they talk about their Clemson experience. And I think this has been a big part the reason you've seen the growth in our applications. Wow, that was everything I could have wanted you to share. <laughs> um, every time you said something else, I was like, oh, yes, and that, and that. Um, I love the nod to like student services, right? Because support services are an important process for our families to understand that their student right. will be supported on campus. So from an academic approach, but you also shared from a wellness approach um, as well. So, so that was really neat. I enjoyed the living and learning communities reference. Uh, and I do have a quick follow-up to that. Sure. In regards to those support coaches, is that something that kind of spans within living and learning and then academic um, support? Basically, are those coaches, those support staff services talking to each other, working together to support an individual student? Yes, uh, particularly within each college. And then our um, undergraduate studies office is the support network that each of the colleges works through when they need cross-campus support for a student. So that communication between the academic programs and the, um, and the colleges is really centered through our undergraduate studies office. And they're also the office that, uh, you know, makes sure things are going correctly as far as the academic support services for students on campus. Yeah, that's really great. Um, and uh, you referenced the Clemson family, which I definitely feel whenever I talk to a family member or a uh, you know staff member, peer, like anyone that I know um, really expresses that, that Clemson family feel. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, we're going to kind of get into some application stuff now. Sure. Um, the nitty gritty of what um, our parents and students are curious about. So one thing when we're working with students as college planners we share is one of the most important factors in admissions decisions is a student's grades within their high school. Mm -hmm. So how does Clemson review each self-reported academic report, which the acronym SRAR, Clemson does use that. Um, so the self-reported academic report. And how do you consider GPA and class rank as a part of that? Right. Um well, Ariel, we review the student's self-reported grades and class rank during multiple stages of the file review. So it's yeah. it's it's always front and center. Um, once a student's file is complete, the first review is done by a single individual. It may be me. It may be one of our admissions counselors, one of our associate or assistant directors, one of our readers we hire specifically for this purpose. And part of this initial review is to make sure there are no errors in the student's application file within our system. And if we have the students' transcripts, and a lot of times we will, by, we, by the time we start the first level review, we'll cross-reference their self-reported grades and class rank with their transcripts. 
And if they're at a non-ranking school, we do create a ranking based on the school's profile. So we look at that to make sure it looks accurate based on the student's GPA. And part of our selection index inputs, um, kind of what you're getting at, is include the student's GPA and their class rank. Uh, if they want their test scores considered, it also includes the test scores. And if the students are um, test optional, then there's a little bit heavier weight on the class rank. So we review that part of the selection index compared to the student's grades, rank, test score to make sure that that part of the selection index looks correct in light of the student's data. And while one of the purposes of this initial review is to make sure the files are accurate so that they can go to the review committee, it also provides the opportunity for the initial reviewer to make comments and even make a recommendation for an admission decision at that point. So if a student's GPA or rank is slightly below what is competitive, the reviewer can make comments supporting the student based on factors such as the student's activities or their personal statement. And once the first read is completed, the committee selection process has several steps, all involving the high school GPA and class rank to some extent. Uh, the first step is an analysis that uses the selection index, uh, which GPA and rank feeds into, uh, as well as other factors, to automatically put in an admit for a certain selection index score or higher, or put in a summer start bridge or wait list for lower selection indexes. And these classifications are then reviewed in a number of ways by various staff, but this review is almost exclusively done within the framework of reviewing students within their high school. So the main committee will review all in-state schools and any of the state out-of-state schools that have a significant number of applicants. Then different work groups within the office are doing the same review with our out-of-state schools with smaller numbers of students. Then each of these smaller work groups um, come to the overall committee with their recommendations for changes within the schools they review. So that initial analysis is always changing. And there are a lot of factors to consider during these reviews. For example, since we admit by major, it is much more difficult to get into a program such as nursing that only admits a small number of students compared to a program such as engineering that will admit over a thousand first year students. Then after all files are reviewed through this high school review process, the committee goes back through and reviews readers comments from the first review and that plays into the final decision as well. All that to say, while there are other factors in the review, kind of what you're getting at, the GPA and class rank are weighted heavily in the selection index. And if a student is test optional, the class rank is weighted even heavier. So for mm -hmm. Clemson and many other institutions, your guidance for students in this area, I think, is very accurate. <clears throat> yeah, that is extremely helpful. And I feel like you really answered the question completely that I actually don't have any follow-up <laughs> questions. So I love that. Thank you, Rick. Sure. Um, okay. So bunch of factors in admissions, right? As we know, can you speak to how active engagement is what I'm calling it now? Cause I had a fabulous conversation with Rhodes College and mm -hmm. they referred to it as engagement. And I really like that. Um, but for our listeners, you might be used to hearing demonstrated interest. So um, could you share how engagement or demonstrated interest could factor into that admissions criteria process? And then one step further, is it calculated in, as a piece of criteria for students who are waitlisted? Sure. Um, 
we keep track of every contact we have with a student. And um, sometimes I'm not sure that families are aware of that. So if a student right. comes to campus for a tour, attends a program, sends us some type of letter of continued interest after early action, for example, um, that all gets entered into their admission file. So even before a student is waitlisted, those factors can come into play during committee review. If a student is right on the line as far as being an admit and the committee is discussing, one things that they do is they go and see, have they toured? Have they been engaged? Have they sent us any type of communication, post-application and so forth to see if they've shown that demonstrated interest? If a student is waitlisted, as you referred to, once we go to the wait list, that becomes even more important in making the decision on who comes off the wait list first. So the best piece of advice I can give to students as far as demonstrated interest is early in the process, go to our website, find the admission counselor for their state and reach out to that person. Just send them an email, introduce yourself, tell them you're interested, start building that relationship. Because that admission counselor has the opportunity to speak to the committee about any student they would like to during the process. And this relationship is critically important if the student is moved to regular decision from early action or to the wait list from regular decision. Because if they have that relationship, then the student can send their letter of continued interest to that admission counselor, which is much more effective than sending it to me as director or sending it to yeah. the president's <laughs> office. You know, when right. families do that, they go straight to the top. Um, um, but it's really that counselor they have the relationship with. So it's much more powerful to actually send that to the to the counselor for their state. Um, and that person then has the ability to come to us as the overall committee and and really, you know, um, be the person that is really the advocate for that student. So. You know, it's not saying that active engagement is is going to always move an admission decision in the favor of the student, but it mm -hmm. definitely can be helpful. Yeah. And just to, you know, put that out there again, as you mentioned, for students, Rick said it great, like, greatly, like, go to the website, start by looking at your counselor and connect with them. And, and that was one thing when... I was chatting um, about demonstrated interest engagement um, was this genuine connection. And you brought that up too. like reaching out back to that person that you've built the relationship with makes more sense than sending an email to you, which then you right. have to forward to them. Right. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, it, in addition to the idea of a regional counselor, can you chat a little bit about how that person evaluates the application in regards to like regional factors and sure. what's considered. And specifically you mentioned before, like a student is evaluated based on their high school. Um, and then you, you all like consider class rank as it, you know, relates, or if it doesn't, you redo it. Um, but I'm thinking in regional factors for high schools, even with like schools that have AP courses or schools that don't. Right. Yeah. Excellent question, Ariel. And um, part of that for us is very simple and part of that is very complicated. For us, each of our counselors are responsible for certain states, uh, but we don't have any target numbers for any specific states or any specific regions. So we really only have two regions when you're talking about Clemson. It's, um, you know, for from a standpoint of enrollment percentages, and that's in-state and out-of-state. Mm -hmm. And as a state institution, we do reserve more first-year and transfer spots for in-state students than we do for out-of-state students. 
thus while being admitted to Clemson has gotten more competitive for all students, it has become very competitive for our out-of-state students. So the factors mm-hmm. considered for out-of-state students are the same we consider for in-state with uh, difference being it's more competitive for out-of-state students as they are being reviewed in comparison to other out-of-state students for fewer spots. Now, I like the way you phrased the question because you clearly have an understanding of there are other things that go on, and that's really an oversimplification of the process. So we have what's called kickers within our selection index. And what a kicker is, it will give a certain out-of-state school a certain value. So if we have a history of students from this school coming to Clemson, we look at the success rate, the time to graduation, the retention rate for that high school, and there are certain schools that students that come to Clemson do very well. So they will receive a what's called a kicker in the selection index. And so those students, um, their selection index might be a little bit higher than a school that we have not been receiving a lot of students from. And as we get into that first level review where that recommender can make a recommendation, they are reviewing things such as um, you know, what type of courses the students are taking measured within that school's profile so that we're not um, harming a student that might not have the same access to an IB program or something like that, at, you know, at, at some of our schools um, that do have access to that. So it's um, it's a lot of data analysis that goes into it. It's a lot of looking at the history of the students from those schools and then putting those factors into the selection index itself. Okay. I love the understanding of like how that relates to a specific school. So when we think about a school that does not offer AP courses, obviously that puts them, granted, you're looking at like things like matriculation and graduation rates um, as a part of that process right where you're saying this is a kicker school so if a school does not have ap courses specifically and i get this question a lot that's why i'm kind of trying to clarify a little bit um would that put them in a different spot um from like a kicker standpoint or since they're since that's not offered that's not really changing It's not really changing. How we handle those situations is um, the students are going to be viewed as ranked among the other students in their class. So if it's a non-ranking school, uh, we create a ranking and we look and see where that student is. If it's a school that does rank, um, the student self-reports it. And if we have have the transcript at that point, we cross-reference it to make sure it's reported accurately. And I know you know um, students are extremely accurate on both self-reporting rank and grades. It's it's truly amazing. Um, and so you know it, it really depends on if it's a school that has a significant number of students that have applied either currently or in the past. Then we're able to make that decision without harming them for not having access to AP, IB, et cetera. Um, you know, to be completely transparent, if it's a school with a very small class and so forth, that's a much deeper dive. You know, then mm-hmm. we're going to uh, look at the personal statement. Um, while we do not require letters of recommendation 
uh, for our general admit, we do require a letter from the teacher and a letter from the counselor from our honors program. So the majority of our students do submit letters. And so if we have access to that, we'll look at that. So it's not a perfect system, um, but that is the more challenging, the smaller schools that we have not received students from in the past. That's a deeper dive, a more difficult decision. They are not harmed by uh, not having the AP, but clearly they're not helped by having a kicker either. Right, right. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, my last question, and hopefully could be a fun one. We'll see. Um, <laughs> what was the most surprising thing during this application cycle? Oh, my goodness, Sarah. It has just been the growth in applications. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as recently as fall of 2020, Clemson was at 28,600 applications. You know, fall of 21, it was 47,000. Fall of 2022, it was 52. And, you know, I came in last September and, you know, I interviewed early summer. So I've been in contact with Clemson for several months before I even started. And everybody's assuring me, you know, we're going to plateau. We're about where we see ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) They're making you feel good coming (laughs) in. You know, and now we're at 60,000 for this year. So it's um, it's just that's really what has surprised me the most, just that continuation of that growth in applications. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it it has made us study how we're structured, our right. staffing. And, you know, I've actually got a recommendation um, to my VP on how we reorganize to address this because we cannot keep our current structure and continue to grow applications. We, you know, we, out of just respect for the time we need to spend, spin with these students that have applied to us, we've got to do some reorganization. Yeah, I think that based on what you shared about the self-reported academic record and the process of where it goes in all different directions, when you said that, I was like, wow, that is lengthy. So I can imagine (laughs) that that's definitely pulling your teams in different directions, um, especially with that that growth in app numbers. So definitely. Yeah. Exciting. Right. But also can be um, a little straining when we're talking about counselors who read our people. Um, And and, um, there are just so many applications to read. So I I totally get that. Um, And it's only going to keep going up. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, for the next couple of years anyway. And, um, you know, but um, like you say, it is exciting. So uh, we just have to make sure that we stay on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Rick, for being open to sharing all this information with our listeners. I really think that they'll be able to grasp on to some key things as it relates to the application process, but also the support that students receive and the information that you shared at the beginning about the academic support and um, how students are are really guided through that process all the way through even to the outcomes that you shared. So thank you again for your time today. Well, thank you, Ariel. I appreciate the opportunity. 